Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. I'm your host, as always, Mike Murray. Today, I'm excited that we are meeting not during an Ask a Board meeting, but that we have time to connect on our Coaches Corner episode. My friend, the head coach and owner of Nitro Swimming, Mike Culber. How are you, Mike? It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Mike. Oh, it's good to be talking to you. And we're so excited about hiring Jennifer. I think Aska's headed in a great direction. You've been a big part of leading Aska through some challenging moments. How excited are you about Jennifer coming in and taking over Aska and setting our new vision for the future? I, I think she is exactly who we need at this point. And it's it's funny if you if you go to any pool deck USA, and I was honestly a, a, a somewhat critical of, of Aska in the early days when I was beginning coaching because I'd always heard about it and you know they had good publications, I thought, but you know, not much had really changed in my mind. Um, and the knock against Aska, if you ask any coach, usually it's one of two things. It's you know, it's the old boys network or it's, they're outdated, those two things. And in this move, bringing in this CEO with her level of experience and what she does and what she has done in her life and have the passion for swimming itself, um, I, I think Aska can't go wrong. And you're gonna see a new, new revived, better offerings, updates, um, just uh, an outreach where any coach is gonna feel like they belong to Aska. And I, I'm, I'm excited for it. And it, it had, times had been challenging. You know, the pandemic itself was, you know, not the greatest time to have an organization that relies on presentations and conferences and clinics. And for us to, to weather through and make it to see this other side and then to be greeted with someone like Jennifer Lamont as the new CEO, I, I, think, I think the future is very, very bright for ASCA. I'm excited to be a part of it. I am too, man. And it's been great for this board to kind of gel and coalesce over this time. We've really become close as a board. And so, you know, from as far as a decision-making process for coaches in this country, what a great group we're lucky to, to share. And I think it's fair to say and, and let people know that, you know, for those people who thought maybe ASCA was, you know, kind of falling apart in, in the last couple of years, we had so many applications, Mike, and those applications were of such high quality people. Would you agree with that? Well, we had, it, it, 49 was the number, 49 that we had to vet that were strong. I mean, very strong people. There were another 49 or 50 that were still on the hopper that we pretty much said, hey, cut it off. We can't be processing this many folks. To, we, gotta, we gotta figure something out here. We went from 49 to 15 to seven down to one. And uh, it was, I was amazed at the level of interest in wanting to, to bring this uh, back forward into the, into the eyes of coaches across the, actually around the world, not just across the country. And one of the first, I guess, endeavors for our organization is gonna be, you know, updating our education platforms, the education certification, really bring this thing up to speed. And that's what I'm most excited about because, you know, we're, we're not like this giant freighter that can't turn fast, you know, ask is large, but it's nimble. And, and the, the, it's like a, it's like a jet ski, I would think more so than a, than a, than a cruise liner. Right. And it's, it's a cruise liner, but it can turn at a, at a jet ski's moment and to stay up to date. And you mentioned the board, us getting closer together. You've got board members. It's funny. I can go West coast to East coast by memory. Cause I don't have 
the uh, the technical knowledge to be able to put ask a board click and get an email to everybody i do everybody's name individually so i start with the dave's out in california dave sailor dave marsh right i got jeff julian you know move out of california i'm sorry mark schubert move out of california i hit uh, jimmy tierney in illinois i've got ken heiss and uh, in Ohio, I come down to Doug Warham at Nashville. I come down from there. I've got Mitch Dalton at University of Texas. I keep moving eastward. I'm serious. And I get you. I get Dave Gibson, Florida. But then I got Megan Esting. We've got uh, Braden, Braden Holloway at, at NC State. Matt Kredich at, at Tennessee. And who am I missing? Oh, my gosh. You're going to kill me. Uh, Chad. Chad Onkin in Carolina. Did I hit everybody? I think. Got it. And um, so that's, that's just left to right from going West Coast to East Coast. And that's how I process on the emails. But I, as I type these names, there's still times you kind of pinch yourself and say, gosh, I'm, I'm sitting on a board with these people. These, these are, you know, for me, they're like the upper echelon. I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, and, and it was funny. I was at an ASCA World Clinic a, a few years back and basically someone just tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you own your own program, right? I says, yeah, I said, I got two indoor 50 meters. Holy mackerel, you should be on the board. Eh, I don't know. No, really, you should run for the board. And so you just run at the World Clinic and if you get the vote, you're in. And fortunately, I don't think there was enough people that were running because I'm, I'm being serious because I'm not one of those guys that, I mean, I don't, I don't need to be on the board of ASCA. I didn't need the presidency. I just, it's not one of those things where I want the feather in the cap or the resume builder. I'm at the point of my life, I didn't, it wasn't that important to me, right? But when there were like, I don't think there were three or four board seats open and there were only three or four people interested in running for those board seats. Okay, cool. Because I made a decision, if there were five or six or seven people running for three or four slots, I don't, I don't want to be a part of it. A, I don't like losing. B, I don't want to be in that position of trying to, trying to uh, campaign, you know, hey, you know, put me on the board. I know everything. That's not my, that's just not my style. And so I'm on the board. And then a year later, when Mark Schubert comes up and pokes me in, you got to be the president. And I'm like, what? I don't even know Robert's rules. Now, Mike will attest to you guys. If anybody, if anybody's listening to this, Mike Murray will attest. I don't, I'm not a Robert's rules kind of guy. I'm a kind of guy that tell me what the problem is. I'll try to figure out some solutions. I'll present some options. We'll try to figure out what the best option is to move forward to get things done. You know, I'm not, I'm not a good, I'm not a real good committee person, meaning I'm not really good at listening to 15 viewpoints. I kind of want to have three or four people together. Let's make a decision. Let's move. If it's the wrong decision, let's change our minds. Let's do something else. It didn't work. And that's how we've kind of built Nitro over the years. Um, it's my wife and I, my wife, Tracy and I, but uh, input from the coaches and we've got coaches now it's funny I'll tell uh, a, a coach drove out just now he's in town uh, to check out our program and he's interested in becoming a coach with us and he's from north of Richmond Virginia and he writes just a beautiful cover letter I mean it was like it spoke directly to me a lot of heart a lot of passion not necessarily it wasn't X's and O's of hey I've accomplished this and I've produced this many it wasn't that at all it was just I could tell it was a guy that was not wanting to go the corporate route. And he was, he swam division three and which, which I love division three and division two. I, I love them all, you know, division one, two division one also. But when you, when you get those, the guys in the, in the, the guys and the ladies who have had to work harder 
and didn't have the natural talent base to bring to the table in their swim careers, I really appreciate. I, re I really, I really have come to appreciate the hard workers. You know, they've had to overcome the fact that they, you know, they can barely streamline. You know, and I was one of those where I, I swam Division Two at the time, Oakland University. They're now Division One with with Pete Hovland, who's still coaching. Was my coach. Loved the guy. And uh, Arthur um, Arturo Albiero came through Oakland. Uh, Randy Teeters. Um, gosh, there's there's a whole bunch. Eric Strom, Eric McElwain. You know, these guys have all um, come through the Oakland, uh, I guess, lineage. And Pete Hovland was part of Ernie McGlisco, you know, part of that tree. And it's funny, you have other guys that came through, you know, the Indiana area and you've got guys came through the Southern Cal, you know, the mission. And the, it's, it's just neat how you come out of these, you know, whatever program you've come out of, that's kind of like your lineage tree, right? And there's all these trees all over the, all over the, the country, which just makes, the approaches that you hear so much more interesting. And I was, I swam today with, we have a handful of us that meet three or four times a week, three times a week, and we swim three or 4,000 yards. You know, it, it seems like a lot, I guess, to a, a retired swimmer. Um, you know, I'm 56 years old now. And uh, today our main set was four or five hundreds on 730. You know, 130 base, get the four, because Friday we're going to do sprint stuff. So it's not a master's group. It's just a handful of us that get together there's no time limit. We can add a minute when you want to add a minute. We just, you know, it's one of those nice places to get together. And I was just telling a coach today about, you know, we talk about Sun Yang on his mile when he, you know, aside from the PEDs and everything else, um, triple breathing into the wall and double breathing out of the wall. You know, you know, a breath, a breath, a breath, flip, comes off, breath, breath, and then he gets back into his, you know, swim for a whole mile. And I, and I said to my coach, uh, one of our swimmers, he swam with us, and I said, Flo, his name is Florian. I said, Flo, I said, you know, at 56 years old now, you know, who's to say what's, what's the one way to do things? What's the right way to do it? It works for him. Because then we start talking about Tennessee and how I think Tennessee started pioneering recently no underwater pullouts for some of their folks on the tour and I am, maybe four and I am, I'm not sure. But the, the tour and I am, they're not doing a pullout. Some of the folks, some of the, some of the athletes coming up on brushstroke. Okay, well, who would that benefit? And that's what he asked. So Flo said, well, is that faster? And I said, I think it depends. I think it depends. It depends on lung capacity of the individual. It depends on how fast are they? Because he said, well, then you don't want to do a crossover turn, do you? I said, not necessarily. I said, you still might want to do a crossover turn if it's faster. But you don't know. Test, 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 test. C, 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 C. You know, does it work? Does it not work? Who does it work for? Who does it not work for? And you're going to find, I think, this morphing of this sport. You know, USRPT, hardcore distance. Pound them every single day. Take some time off. You know, we've had kids that were out of the water for months. You know, you had you had a, you weren't necessarily out of the water because you were a madman. What you guys did in Victor with, you know, swimming outdoors and it's 38 degree water, whatever it is with the wetsuits. And I'm going, holy cromoly, look what Murray's doing with these guys at Victor, right? And you, I mean, you were turning some heads, which yeah. was good, 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 good heads. And, um, but we had these kids take, had to take this time off, a lot of time off. And these kids came back faster than ever before. A lot, a lot of kids that didn't. So now does that make us question, huh, 
you know, what's, what's the model? You know, what is the model? Is there a model? Is there one model? Is there multi-models out there? So that's what's so exciting about this sport because it's changing. Everything's changing. It can always change. You know, who are the innovators? You know, is it DeSorbo? You know, right now at Virginia, when he went super hard for a conference meet, but, but they voted as a team, you know, hey, we might not have nationals. Let's put our eggs in this basket right now. Great move, by the way. Now, it turns out there's nationals anyways. Well, what happened? These kids came back, and what happened to most of those kids? This went faster. But he went right back at it. I think, he, I think I heard he went, I think he said they took maybe a day conference meet to like recover, recoup, whatever. And I think he hit it hard again. I mean, like super hard because he said now as athletes, we're in a position that they should be able to go so much faster now than any other time in the season. But you don't just rest, rest, more, rest, more, rest, more, rest, more, rest. For him and his group, they went hard, hard, hard. And they pulled back, I think, they were doing weights, I think, um, maybe four, three or four days prior to, to nationals, right? Yeah. That, yeah. To me, that to me is unheard of, but it worked. It worked for him. So uh, who knows? You know, this, this sport's changing and it's exciting. There's, there's you know, who's, who's in the headlines right now? It just, it really doesn't matter because stick to something, you keep changing something, make it's dynamic. It's dynamic, it's fluid, it's, it's exciting. And that's what's great about having these types of forums to hear what are other guys doing. Back in my day of swimming, um, we're talking, gosh, we're talking early 80s. And uh, when I finished, actually mid eighties, when I was, when I was all done, we had swimming world. We had a, we had a magazine that was once a month and you would look at the rankings. And I don't know if you're old enough to remember this stuff. We, we had, we had the rankings and then you'd look at the back inside cover to see what Brian Goodell did in the mid seventies, what his main set was out, out in California or Hackett, you know, and, and, and you'd see these workouts in, or, uh, or Woodhead you know, or, or Tracy Calkins, who I believe at the time when it was junior nationals and senior nationals, Tracy Calkins qualified for senior nationals. Every event. In every event. Think about that. I mean, you talk about, I mean, Phelps, Phelps, I think would probably be there, right? Yeah. yeah. Is there anybody else you could think of that could, you know, may, maybe Carson, you know, Foster, it'd have to be a really strong, uh, maybe Shane, you know, a really strong Ford IMer, I think, or an IMer, obviously, that has a, a aerobic base that can also hit that mile. But Tracy Calkins, every single event back then, senior nationals. That to me is that that's crazy. So I love the sport. It's, it's you, so you can... fun how the sport has changed, right? And and I remember even at you know the tail end of my high school years, 97, 98, we were still waiting for Swimming World to come out so we could look at the back and see if we're in that top 16. You know, oh, there yeah. was so much anticipation yeah. that went into that. And you know, you hear stories about, you know, Mark Schubert calling Dick Jokums to find out about the main set. Hey. I see what Randy Teeters is doing every other day. He puts it out there. I get to see what he's doing. I'll, I'll slide him something. So it's amazing how, you know, innovation and technology has changed the game. And it's been a big part of, of you at Nitro, Mike. I remember, I think it was like 2010 or 11, the first time I'm like, and these Nitro kids, they got something good going down here. We were at Junior Nationals, and I, it's the first time I remember really recognizing the team. And then the next year, you and I were together in Colorado Springs, and that's how we met. And I listened to how you started to put together the vision 
for the program and the business that you know you and Tracy wanted to start. So talk to me about that day where you had this idea that you know what we're going to do something that's pretty revolutionary in a lot of ways and we're going to kind of change the landscape of swimming in our immediate geographic demographic. What was that day like? Well, it, it, here's, here's what happened. I, I moved out here with a corporate job. I moved out, I got sent out from, I went from Atlanta, Greensboro, North Carolina for maybe two months. And I'm in a meeting with these higher ups and I was just, you know, newbie, newbie in the company and your eyes are this wide and your learning curve is going straight up and you don't know anybody. And Tracy and I were dating at the time. And he says in this meeting, and by the way, she was living at the time in Virginia. I'm in North Carolina for two and a half months, but I was in Atlanta. We were doing the long distance, you know, four and a half hour, you know, dating thing for about a year and a half or so at the time. And I'm in a meeting and he says, oh, by the way, we're all getting sent out to Austin, Texas. And my jaw kind of drops down and my eyes get kind of big and my face gets kind of white, you know, white is pale. And he says, Culver, he says, you okay? And I said, yeah, we'll talk after the meeting. And um, so after the meeting was over, I talked to him and he said, what's going on? And I said, Austin, Texas, that's central time zone. That's, that's, that's a long ways away. Because I was thinking, you know, my family's all East, Eastern time zone. My parents at the time when my dad was still alive was, uh, they were in Michigan and they went Florida in the wintertime and I could hit them from Atlanta, either direction, pretty easy on a weekend. My brothers, my sister, we're all based over there. And none of us have really truly left the nest nest to go what we would think a half a country away. Texas, and I'm thinking tumbleweeds, and I'm thinking tornadoes, and I'm thinking cows, and I, I, I'm sorry, and dust storms, because that's that was my impression. And he says, we're going to Austin, Texas. And uh, I called Tracy on the phone, and I said, they're sending me out to Austin, Texas, and there's silence. And I didn't know what she's thinking, what she's doing. And she says, well, she says, I don't want you out there without me. I don't want to be here without you. So really, it's kind of your move. And so we went from engaged to married in three weeks and we moved out to Texas together. And I told the, the guy that I was working for, I said, as long as I can coach at night, I can scratch this itch, you know, cause I wanted to make a difference. And I know it's a long way to go around to answer this question but it, I really wanna give you a full um, appreciation for where my thought process was. So he says, no problem, you can coach, um, that's great because I was in a, a cubicle job for a number of years after college. And I would look out the window. I didn't have a window, I was in a cubicle, but water to make me go to the bathroom so I could actually look out a window as walking down the hallway so I could see what the world looked like outside of this big building, right? And I would see landscapers out there and they were doing the wood chips and the mulching and they were doing the uh, trimming the trees and mowing the lawn. And I said, gosh, I'm envious. I was envious of these landscapers because at the end of each day, they could look and they could see what they have accomplished. And they knew that they made a difference. And I was just in a typical position of corporate for me. It just wasn't for me. It's not for, it's not for everybody, but it is for some people. It just wasn't for me. And I didn't feel like I was making any kind of a difference. So I sat there, I said, what would I do for free? What would I do if, I, if money was no object and didn't have to make any money at all, what would I do with my life? I would teach lessons and I would coach swimming because my childhood growing up in this environment of the chlorine and the kick sets 
and the and the turns and the noise and you hear that water. You know what you know what it is. I get you see it. I see it in your face. You know, you're home. You know, when you walk on a pool deck, it's home. And it doesn't matter what state you're in. You know, when you feel that, that's okay. Now I gotta figure out a way that I'm gonna be at least scratching that itch. So I'm coaching part-time. They went through a couple of coaching changes and they said, Hey, we're gonna make you uh you want the head coach position. And at the time, my corporate job was kind of tanking. The signs were on the wall. You could see that things weren't going well for this company. And I figured, shoot, I got a one-year-old now at home. My wife quit her job. She stayed at home. We're living in a 900 and some square foot condo on a third floor overlooking a dumpster. And I, I'm not kidding. This, this, was, this was my life, right? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to quit the corporate job just to be coaching single parent. I mean, I'm single income. And I had the health insurance for me, not for Tracy and not for, not for my son, uh, Cal. And so I, I, I said, all right, I'm going to make this thing work. So I supplemented with a ton of private lessons. I mean, a ton. I was going sun up, sun down. You know, you're driving home and you're literally, you know, it, you got a stack of checks this high because you don't get time to go to the bank, you know? So once a week, go to the bank and they hated seeing me walk in because they had all these checks on cash and for I'm, I'm depositing because now we've got a second child on the way and I'm going, Oh my gosh, this is so much pressure. Right? So I remember going to, to, to answer, finally get to the answer to your question. I walked on a pool deck the first time for a meet here in the area. And this was back in the early two thousands in Longhorn aquatics, Texas Longhorn aquatics. They were stacked. Uh, it was circle siege Went the TXLA. They had the first two or three heats. They had the fastest two or three heats was all their team. And we're no, we're just a, we're not an anybody's, we're just nobody's team, right? A nobody. And I remember the walk on the pool deck and I remember seeing, it was an invite and coaches from all over the place were there and they brought chairs and they brought newspapers. I'm not exaggerating. It was a Sunday morning session. And I saw some coaches underneath the overhang at University of Texas where the parents can't see them and they're sitting in these chairs and they're reading newspapers and the kids are warming up. Back then there wasn't really that much oversight, you know, making sure the coach is always there, right? And I was astounded that I saw coaches bringing chairs to swim meets. That was the first thing that really shook me in terms of, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And I walked on the pool deck and it, it, this is not an arrogant comment at all. This is just what went through my mind is I said, are you all gonna make it that easy? for someone to come into this area and, and do it the way I believe it should be done, which is if we expect 100% from the kids, the least they can expect from us is 100%, the coaches. So we don't sit down during practices. We don't sit down during swim meets. Now, of course, if you're just, this, it's a small session, you've got maybe two or three kids total and there's an hour before somebody swims, it's senseless to be standing all right. They're gonna, you're gonna sit, talk, get to know the kids better, you know, cause you, those are special meets that you can bond with swimmers when you've got those opportunities, right? But that's what really made me think, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm gonna do it. It's gonna be here in Austin. So I started, cause I, I was looking for the swim centers. I was looking for the swim Atlantas. I was looking for the dynamos. I was looking for the, for the from Atlanta area, right? I was looking for the, the uh, uh, Marietta Marlins, the Chattahoochee Golds. You know, I'm looking for these teams in the area that had their own facilities. There wasn't one that had their own facility. There were a couple of YMCA's and you, and you got the train out of University of Texas, but there's all outdoor country club municipalities, 
you know, city pools, renting from the city, whatever. And I, and I told my wife, Tracy, I said, we're going to build a swim center. And she looks at me like with this, you know, disbelief look and this, how do you expect to do that? Right. And I said, I don't know how, I don't know how, but I know why. And, and the why, if you've got a why that's stronger than anything else, you figure out how to do things. And so the mistakes that I've made from that time forward have been so numerous. I mean, mistake, 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 right? But you're learning every time you make the mistake. And we had a, we had a, uh, we purchased a piece of property, put a contract on a piece of property, was going to purchase it. And you go through what's called feasibility, which is, is this property going to work? And they, you got to bring in inspectors, you got to bring in the environmental, you know, the agencies, and they test the soils, and they do all these things. And the architect does their job, right? And they do their part. So now I'm writing checks, thousands of dollars for these things. And all that private lessons money is going down. When it was all said and done, I thought this piece of property was it. Oh, it's perfect. It's flat. It's a rectangle. It's right in between a Wendy's and a post office. It's access from everywhere. Oh, it's beautiful. We're going to do this. The architect sends me, sends me their plans back. And he says, hey, Mike, here's your building. Little change, though. We can't give you a lessons pool and a competition pool. We can give you one or the other. So which one do you want? And oh, by the way, you can't have the 160 or so parking spaces. We get you 77. And I said, wait a minute, I need two pools. I need at least this many parking spaces. This piece of property is huge. It's your rectangle, it's perfect. And they said, you don't know what pervious and impervious cover ratios are, do you? I said, what? And they said, pervious and impervious cover ratios. No, don't know what those are. Well, that means if it's a municipality or a township or city, whatever, um, they have certain percentages that you can make concrete, pavement building and the other part of the percentage has to be where water can go through meaning pervious grass gravel dirt you know so you just just because you see a piece of property doesn't mean you can use that whole piece of property there's got to be some grass dirt you know which i didn't i didn't know so all of that money that we spent on the contract for that land on the architect's fees on all of the environmental um uh the uh, due diligence that these organizations had to go through all of it at the, at the end done. We had to pot on everything. So, so now get this. So now we've got two kids at home. The wife who's at home says to me, I just took our savings to zero. I mean, I had everything I had. I've got nothing. I, I maybe a little bit of 401k left from the, from the last job I had barely. I didn't touch that because it's penalties, right? And um, so we're down to zero. And that's when the wife says to you, she says, are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> and if you've ever seen the movie, The World According to Garp, it's a Robin Williams movie from the 80s. And they're going to buy a house. And they're looking at the house. And this plane comes out of nowhere and smashes into the house. And the pilot gets out. I'm okay, you know? And Robin Williams says to the agent, we'll take it. <laughs> And the wife looks at the husband, you know, incredulously, and he says, honey, 
the chances of this happening again are astronomical. It's already been crash proofed or whatever, you know, something like that. So what I told my wife, Tracy was, so Tracy, I just got an MBA just now on how not to proceed with building a swim center. This education, we just paid for my education. And that's the way I looked at it. And so at that point, we regrouped, retrenched, and went out, went out the right way, which was find the investors. There's a whole process that we went through to do it. So long story longer, from napkin sketch to opening up our first location, Nitro Cedar Park, was about five and a half, six years. From napkin sketch to this, and it's funny, I still get emails. Hey, you know, Mike, you know, you sat next to me on a Southwest Airlines flight back in such and such. You drew out your, you know, your facility. It's great to see that you did it. You know, that's kind of cool. This is like, you know, 10, 15 years later that you had these conversations because when it's in your mind and it's the, it's, it's the first thing you think of when you wake up, it's the last thing you think of when you go to bed is it's gotta be burning and you're, you're gonna build a facility, you know? And if it's not that way for you, I think it's gonna be very, very, it's gonna be difficult no matter what, but I, I don't like your chances if it's not laser beamed in your eyeballs that you can make this thing happen and make it work. So that's when we decided to do it. And having to beg, borrow, and and the water time and rely on other people. And oh, by the way, sorry, it's closed for the week because we got to do this. Or sorry, we're going to change the water temperature because of this. Sorry, you can't have a meat because of this, whatever. It, it, sorry, we don't even know if we're going to renew your lease for next year, you know, or the year after. How do you plan if you're a coach with a family and you're in a leased facility? How do you plan that you can that you're even going to be there two years from now? You know, you just you can't even you can't look that far ahead because you're worried about, gosh, are we even going to be renewed? And you could be in great footing with a with a um, a board, with a country club board, with a township board of trustees. You know, whoever it is that you're working with that actually says yes, you can have the water, or hey, your rate's going to go up a little bit this year, whatever. Whoever those folks are. That makeup of that group of people can change. And all of a sudden, for some reason, there's one or two people now, they don't like you, you know, for whatever reason. Hey, he's too loud. Hey, he's too this. He's too whatever. Hey, it's too messy. Hey, it's too loud. It's the, the kids make too much noise when they go into the parking lot at night. There's people trying to be on a putting green at a country club, and they're hearing a whistles all the time coming from the pool. You know, all those things, if that, if that bothers you enough, it's time to start figuring out how are you gonna take charge of your own situation? And that's really what we did. And um, for us, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yes, you asked earlier, you know, you wanna talk about the hard times. There's tough, there's tough moments probably every day, but the, but the pleasure I get from, from owning our situation, we own it, you know, far outweighs the uh, the, the negatives that come along. And there's some pretty big negatives. You know, you get smacked a lot, you know, having your own business is tough, but um, still wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, I love, yeah, the, I love, I love, the, story, I love the story, Mike. And, and one of the things, that, the I things that I appreciate so much, so much is that you is that better yourself, yourself every day. Every day. So, so what are some, what of, the some of the things that you do from, from a mental health, mental and, health and wellness standpoint, standpoint that give you the confidence to keep moving forward? First thing is I'm, you have to know who's who's keeping you afloat, right? It's the families. 
All right, it's your families, it's your parents. And so I'm, I'm amazed constantly when I go to clinics and conferences and I'll hear certain speakers, and it always seems like it's, it's, it's the cool thing to do or it's the easy thing to do is to, is to talk about how bad, how bad swim parents are, how bad my parents are. Oh my gosh, keep them off the deck. I want to keep, I'm like, you know what? I don't know if we're an anomaly here at our program at Nitro, but our parents, we do a really good job from an education standpoint of consistently putting out, you know, say a weekly note, let's say 30 or 40% read it, right? But we go into a championship meet weekend where all the pressure, you know, there's a lot of pressure on everybody and parents are feeling it, believe me. The coaches feel it because this is it, right? This is, we hope, hope it all, all the eggs are in the right basket. Well, the notes that I'll put out to our families are, hey guys, listen, you know what I expect at these meets? And I'll say one, two, five words. It's just a swim meet. That's the first thing. It's just a swim meet. What does your child want? And what did you want? Even to this day, I'm 56 years old. My mom is still around. My dad passed away. I mentioned earlier. What do I want more than anything else? I think in the world, the, the, the feeling that I get where I feel the best. It's if I know my mom's proud of me, you know, if my dad was proud of me, you know, that's it. Even at 56 years old, to me, my, my driving force, and it's my wife, is she proud of me? Are my kids proud of me, right? And, it, it, and that might sound kind of silly. It, it really isn't about, you know, well, how many age group championships? I, I don't know, you know, I, how many, you know, junior national qualifiers this year? You know, I don't, I don't know. I just want, I want my parents, my parents to be proud of me. So I mentioned that to our parents. Guess what your child wants more than anything else? They want to know you're proud of them unconditionally. So when they, and I write the note, so it's almost like a repeat note every year. I, I, I redo it, but I same kind of theme, right? I'm actually typing it every time. I don't copy paste, but it's, they're going to blow a turn. Believe me, they know they took ninth and not eighth and didn't get in the A final. They know it before you know it. They know that they twitched on the start for, they know that their goggles fell off. They know that they didn't get it. They know that they breathed off the wall. They, they know these things. When they come back to you, you know what you need to do? You hug them, you tell them you love them, and you say that you're proud of them. That's it. If they want to talk about the swim, they'll talk about the swim. Don't critique, don't bemoan, don't, you know, you don't need to. And, and they hear it enough. So now, when I'm saying a note, I try not to be too preachy in my notes to our families because that'll turn somebody off, right? So I'm, I'm big on third party, you know, third party articles. So I love it when yours I used, by the way, um, the article you wrote about uh, nationals being canceled again for, I think it was for your daughter. Yeah, right? yeah. And how she handled it. And I think that they go out like snowboarding or something or tobogganing or sledding. They went, they went sledding. Yeah, they went sledding, right. And I used this, I used Mike Murray's note, everybody. And I, hey, he's a friend of mine, Mike Murray's coach at Victor, Victor Aquatic Club up in uh, New York. And here's, um, here's what he just wrote. He's a fantastic author, which I didn't know, honestly. And I put it out to our families because it's third party. And it sometimes there's more credibility when you can pull third parties, right? Um, I love Olivier. Um, so, so Leroy, good. He, he, he writes to my heart. And my, I say, another gem from Olivier. Here's another one from Olivier. Here's another one. And he, he's on my team notes, at least, I do them about once a week, at least two out of four every month is some point from Olivier. 
phenomenal. And that's part of the education process. So we go to a championship meet. Hey, parents, I know we can count on you. You know, when you see another parent walking up and down looking for a place to sit, it doesn't matter what team they're wearing. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. If you can find some room, make them feel welcome and just bring, find a spot for them because they, they don't have a place to sit. You guys, be, you guys be the beacons, the shining lights out there. I want to be nitro parents. So with our kids, the number one compliment that I can get as the, you know, the, I guess the owner you know, of nitro is that, wow, nitro kids are nice. They're nice. It didn't say they're fast. You know, the number two compliment I can get is, wow, they know how to race. But number one is nice. And I tell the kids, don't forget what's number one. Nice first, you know how to race number two. And so when, when I, I educate the parents of saying, hey guys, be wise enough and be smart enough to be looking around and observe other parents' behavior. Observe. I said, don't necessarily get involved, but you're gonna see some things that really aren't good for youth sports. You're going to observe uh, uh, behaviors that aren't good. You are all ambassadors of youth sports. You're ambassadors of your family name, you're ambassadors for your kids, and you're ambassadors for the Nitro program. I said, now, that's what we want. In those last five words again, it's just a swim meet. So that's how, that's how I like to do it from a, um, from a, a parent expectations thing. But my own mental health, um, I swim, I told you, three times a week with a, with a small group of people. Believe me, that's, that's, that's life-changing. Getting in the water, being immersed um, around the water with a good group of people that no matter what kind of day you're having, we're going to push each other. We're accountable to each other. That's fantastic. For mental health, you need to take care of yourself physically. Um, I do try to take care of myself in terms of what I eat. And I'm also in the gym three other times a week. So six days a week, I'm doing something. I usually take one day off where I'm not, other than have my four dogs and running around the yard with the four dogs. But um, taking care of yourself first. And, and here's an analogy I heard the other day or, or a while back from somebody. When you're on an airplane and they're giving the announcements and they'll say, you know, in the loss of sudden cabin pressure, you know, oxygen masks will fall from the ceiling please be sure to secure your mask first before assisting others, right? That's a reminder that if we as coaches aren't taking care of us, us coaches first, there's not much left in your tank to take care of what's around you. So you do have to have your limits. And there's a, a very empowering word that I think I could really learn to use more, and I think probably several of you can also, is the word no. I'm sorry, I can't. No, I can't do it. And, and not to feel guilty because we're servants, right? And that's in our nature. And we wanna serve and it's hard for us to say no. Hey, you know, hey coach, can I get you one more time over here on this Friday, this Friday, can I, this Saturday, can I ask you know, two, hours, two extra hours with you? And you know that your wife or kids or whatever, your significant others, whatever, or you're just, you've got, you got to detox. You've got to decompress and you've got to get off that deck or you're not going to be as good for the people in front of you. So um, recognize some signs. If you think it's time for a day off, uh, it's, it's time for a day off that deck. And I hope 
that you have a situation that you can actually do that. In fact, I would think if you're a solo coach out there and you're all by yourself in a program, I would have to think that your parents would understand. Hey guys, listen, um, I'm going to, there's this Thursday, um, we're going to shut it down. Uh, I'll be back on Friday. I got some personal things I'm going to attend to. You don't need to get personal, right? I've got some personal things I'm attending to. I'll see you Friday bright and early, or I'll see you Friday night. We'll get ready to go twice as hard Friday. Take that Thursday off, you know, take that Tuesday off, whatever it is. And if, and if you're bored, if you're a board run team, I, I believe they'd understand it also. So that's my two cents for the day. Oh, oh so many so great, many great nuggets, nuggets there, Mike. Mike. As I, as think, I about think about you living in living that apartment or working in that cubicle, cubicle. You're explaining for five, five years, years many coaches' coaches lives. lives. Mm -hmm. And as and we as see we here today, today you look, look at that, that beautiful facility behind you. Behind you you got to be, be proud. I, I am, and uh, but it didn't come without blood, sweat, and tears. And if, you know, everybody wants to build a pool, right? Everyone wants their own facility. They all do it. But how many actually will go through the, the hoops to get it done? I'm living proof that it's possible. Uh, there are several others now around the country that are popping up, you know, uh, swim centers. They're building pools. Uh, we're going to build number three. Uh, it's going to be bigger, bigger than these two. Uh, more deck space. Um, as crazy as that sounds, we want more debt, you know, my wife and I. Let's just take on more debt. Come on, let's do it. Um, we want to do it from a meet standpoint to be able to host larger meets where we can have invites and bring in some teams from around the area, from around the, from around the country. Hey, come on down, we're gonna do a prelim finals and such and such, you're invited, you know, and that's exciting for the kids. Uh, right now I can put about maybe 200 kids or so per session in, our, in the pool you see in the background um, with the deck space that we have. Um, what's helpful right now is the warmer weather. We could put the kids outside, keep everything still safe. Um, but going forward, we're about a year away or so from number three, but that's going to be, um, I've got 20 feet, of, I'm going to have 20 feet of deck space along both ends, both sides of a 50 meter pool, 20 feet on the 25 yard end and 15 feet on the other end. So that's going to be a ton of deck space. I'll get bleachers on both sides and I, I'm excited, really excited for that facility. So That's going to be really neat. Talk to us about that first pool that you built. You essentially built it to get as many athletes into the pool you had your lesson pool there with it and it was really bare bones just to get it up and running. Right. And then it started to thrive. So how did you, what are some of the things that you did to keep programming running through the facility to make sure that revenue kept coming in? It's funny. I was, I was never nervous prior to opening up that location in any part of the process until about two weeks before we opened. And then the reality hit. You know, because it looks good on paper. You can do all the figures. You can be all the confidence in the world inside of you that you're going to make things happen. But once it starts getting close and you realize that you're roughly a $50,000 a month or so mortgage, not counting property taxes, not counting utilities, not counting salaries, not counting hourly wages, not counting um, whatever else think of out there, um, about a 50 grand just, just, for the, just for the mortgage. For the next 20, 25 years, $50,000 a month, which means if you average $100 a month for tuition, let's just for easy math per swimmer, let's just make the math easy. I would need 500 swimmers at 100 bucks a month just to cover the mortgage, not to cover anything else. And so that's what got me scared. 
at that point. And what I had to think about was, how do I make my big pool more like my small pool in terms of, in terms of margins? How are we gonna pay the bills? You, you can't make a swim team work financially. And, and by the way, we don't do fundraisers. We've never done a swimathon. I don't like them. They're called begathons. I, I don't like swimathons. I don't like uh, assessing parents halfway through a season. Oh, by the way, you have to charge this now. This is going to be more money. I don't like any of that stuff. We don't have mandatory volunteer hours. Think about that. Mandatory volunteer, right? There's no such thing. We don't, we don't have those for our families. This is what you pay per month. Here's the tuition structure. If you want to get involved and help us time during some meets, awesome. You don't want to? That's cool too. You can stay in the background, pick up, drop off. You can hang on the pool deck. You can sit in the bleachers, whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter to me. I'm happy that you're here. Glad you're part of the program. So I'm sitting there. How do I make the big pool more like the small pool? Well, at the time, my son was six and a half years old. My daughter was three. And we had them in uh, little gym. Uh, we had them in soccer. We had them in, uh, my son was in t-ball you know, whatever, all these activities. And I said to myself, when I would take him and her to these places in my wife, I'd say, there's no way I would come more than once a week to something like this, once a week. Yet here we are in our model of swimming, thinking that every seven-year-old out there is gonna be in a group that's five days a week or, four, four, or three day, even three days a week. You know, if you understand parenting and you understand having small children, Number one, you're never going to get any place on time ever again when you have a couple of kids, right? Because you're always going to be late. So when you're coaching and you're on that pool deck and you see that eight-year-old come into that practice because your lanes are perfect, you've got five-five, you're symmetrical, you know, you're symmetrical, and I'm an OCD guy. I love when my lanes are perfect, and then you get that one kid that walks in late, and you go, "Oh, my lanes are destroyed." Okay, get in lane, whatever, right? Instead of taking that mindset, be grateful that this kid just walked in because you don't know what that parent has been going through on any level to get their child to a swim practice or a swimming lesson semi on time, right? You don't know if they just left dialysis or they just left the hospital because they've got a parent with ALS. You know, you just don't know these things, right? So if you come from that position of love and compassion and empathy, it really helps from a day-to-day -day standpoint to understand because you don't know what they're going through, right? So as you, but, but no program swim team can survive financially without doing those things I mentioned that we don't do. If you've got a whole pool full of national caliber type kids or state champion type kids, or even, even double Bs and above, because you can't give them enough water time and you can't charge them enough to compensate for that water time and the coaching time to pay your bills. It's just the math, it's mathematically, unless you've got a sweet lease deal that you're only paying a grand or two a month or so to use an entire facility of at least six or eight lanes, you're gonna be okay, right? But most places the lane rental is going up. It costs a lot to use, to use facilities. How do you make the best out of these facilities? Well. For us, 54% of our program, you know, people look at Nitro and they think, oh, it's such, such a big team. They're just large. It's, they're, they're, they're good at age group championship meets because they're just such a big team. 54% of our kids are once or twice a week swimmers. 
once or twice a week. And I've got programs that are set up to be once a week. They don't get to pick. I don't, I don't put them in a group of four times a week and you can pick one. It's you pick your day, you pick your time, just like we do for soccer, just like we do for t-ball, just like we do for little gym and kinder and all those things that are out there, music lessons and scouts. It's amazing to me. And I know the coaches out there are going to feel this when you get emails or, or conversations with parents. Hey, um, can you change the practice time on that group? Because uh, my son's got his violin lesson at that time. Okay. So and I, I keep my cool, right? I don't, are you crazy? You know, I don't, I don't get that kind of answer to a parent, but let's change the practice time for a group of kids. When you've got an algorithm that works for your pool, where this group is here, this group is there, here's their lanes, here's it all. It's a giant jigsaw puzzle, but we're going to go ahead and change that practice time because of your violin lesson. How about this? I know it sounds kind of crazy. How about ask your violin teacher to change that lesson time for that one violin student? You know, so that's that's what kind of so we, we make sure we have practice times in there. It's Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. We got twice a week, Monday, Wednesdays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and even Fridays and Saturdays. Because you walk into any class, any grade, any third grade class in the USA, ask a group of third graders, how many love to swim? Every hand, maybe, maybe one or two might not go up because they're embarrassed because they don't know how to swim yet, possibly, right? But most hands are up in the air. Okay, hands down. How many want to swim six days a week for the next 15 years of your life? including Christmas vacation and spring breaks and Easter's and summers, two days, you know, whatever, you're going to get one kid with the bleached out hair that's already doing it, right? Yeah, man, that's me. But nobody else wants that. So, so what do you do? Well, reserve some lanes, cut some lanes off and reserve them for those once or twice a weekers and get a coach on that group who loves to teach kids, who loves it who smiles, who's exciting, who is excitable, where the kids will smile. And when they, when you ask them, ask any kid, hey, how many folks felt like coming today? Nobody does. They don't want to come, right? But at the end of the practice, hey, how many, how many feel better now than when you walked in? Who feels better now than when you walked in? You know what it's like when you work out, right? Every hand's up. So right then you capture them. You say, kids, hey, remember this feeling. Remember this feeling when it's time to come to practice again, because here's how you grow your program. You don't grow your program by trying to get new kids all the time. You grow your program by keeping your kids and they tell others to come. That's how you grow a program. So instead of this constant recycling bin going over and over and over of old kids out, new kids in, old kids, that's eh, just normal, they quit, they quit, they quit, they quit. Is it really normal? It shouldn't be, right? It shouldn't be. But you can teach them to love fitness and love the endorphin release that they don't understand yet and love the fact that they feel that their grades will be better when they're swimming. It amazes me. We get like tests, you know, like the, you get the, like the statewide testing, you know, you get these emails. Hey, they won't be here because of testing tomorrow. No, that's wrong. Bring them because of testing tomorrow. Bring them. Studies show, you know. So um, that's what we do in terms of creating a product on a daily basis where kids want to be a part of it. And you're excited to see someone. If some kid walks in late, you know what I say to him? Four words, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Hey, here's warm up. 
jump in that line right there, finish up. When they stop, you stop. You whatever it is. I'm glad you're here. You don't know if you might be the only person that day that said that to that kid. You know, the only one that acknowledged that, wow, you're not a burden right now. Man, I'm glad you're here. Hey, Joey, how's that, how's that clash going? You told me about that art class you liked. It's going pretty good. How'd that ceramic pot come out? You know, hey, how'd that math test work out? I didn't do too good. That's eh, all right. If you need some help at all, let me know. You know, whatever. Of course, I'm not good probably past third or fourth grade on the, on the math nowadays. Math has gotten harder. Mike, w- one thing that, you know, your staff will say about you, and, and I certainly agree with them in this regard, is that you're very pragmatic and you're very rational, logical when it comes to problem solving. And we could hear a lot of it right there. One of the things that resonated with me there is that, number one, parents and athletes are your customers. You're going to build a relationship bigger than that, but you treat your parents and athletes as customers. Why is that so important to long-term success? Well, I, I do it because I, I just, I appreciate it. Um, I, I appreciate being treated that way when I'm other places. I, I appreciate, I, I, right now I'm not gonna, I guess I will. Um, lifetime Fitness, I'm a member of, a lifetime, of Lifetime Fitness. If you know, it's a pretty big health club chain. I also have a membership at Gold's Gym based on where I am in the city where I'm driving, you know, so I still got my work on it, right? I don't do a lot. I just do maybe 45 minutes total, but I love to get that fix. Again, it's the endorphins, right? Um, to keep me going, it keeps me grounded, it keeps me sane. Most, most of the time at Gold's Gym, I'm not acknowledged. I'm not even acknowledged, but I've come to expect that. So when I'm walking out and if somebody actually says, hey, have a great day, glad you came in it catches me by surprise, right? At Lifetime, there's a pretty good core group of people that have been there for a while, the Lifetime that I use in, in, in the Austin area. And I know them by name. Uh, there's Patty and there's also Robert, both of them. Hey, Mike, how are you? You know, I like, I like that cheers feel, you know, like the old show Cheers. When you walk in, Norm, you know, I appreciate that, right? And I know that people do appreciate that. And you can People know if you're BSing, if you're not. And kids are a better detector, I think, than adults. And a, a swimmer, a group of swimmers in front of you, if, if you're a coach who doesn't necessarily want to be there that particular day because something's on your mind, or maybe you don't want to be there for several days in a row, you know, maybe you shouldn't be coaching anymore. You know, it just might be one of those times if you do, the kids know that. They sense it and they can tell and they'll start talking to each other. And I don't ever want that to happen. I don't think you'll ever, I, I don't think I'd ever be accused of, oh my gosh, he didn't want to be here. You know, whatever's happening in our real lives and we all have baggage, we've all got things happening. We've all got parents are getting sick and you know, other issues that we deal with. My staff will tell you that when we pull in our parking lot and you shut that car door, the problems stay inside your car. You walk in that door and you walk on that pool deck, it is lights, camera, action. We are no longer there for us. We are here for the folks in front of us. Now, I've got a niece who's a rockette up in, you know, rockette up in uh, Radio City Music Hall, right? They didn't have a year this year because of, of COVID, but she's one of the rockettes. And that some days they'll do three shows. And if you've ever seen a, a rockette show, you ever seen a show? Yeah. Okay. Amazing. They're amazing, right? And it's costume changing back on. Costume. Well, by the third show on a Saturday or Sunday, 
you know, like they have a couple matinees and they got an evening show. You got to think that they're dragging and their, and their legs are, you know, hurting and their toes are hurting, their ankles are getting cramped up, whatever, right? And just like Michael Jordan, I, said, I know it's a weird parlay going from the Rockettes to Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan was asked in his, in his prime, even his later in the career, how do you get up for a regular season game? You know, you know you're going to make the playoffs. You know you got a pretty good shot at winning the NBA Finals. How do you get up for, you know, going to Charlotte on a road game or Orlando Magic for a road game or, you know, whatever, um, uh, Denver Nuggets, mile high, you're breathing hard, you know, trying to keep up with the oxygen levels. How do you get up for, for, a, for a regular season game? And you know what Michael, Jackson's, uh, Michael Jordan's answer was? Michael Jordan says, I know that somewhere in the crowd – that someone's there seeing me for the first time ever. Someone's watching me for the first time ever. And I'm gonna give them whatever I can give them. Now, here's a fact that I've heard, I cannot verify this, so no one pin me on this statistic, but at any point, you can assume that 20% of the kids in front of you that you're coaching are contemplating leaving on any day. 20% are either going to a different team or being the 74% that quit by the time they're 15 years old in the youth sports, right? Which is a cross the board statistic. At any point on any day, one out of five of the kids in front of you are thinking about leaving you, leaving you. They don't leave the program, they leave you. Now, the only thing is you don't know which one out of five, you don't know. So now assume that every one of those kids in front of you are thinking this might be their last practice ever for you. How would you coach that day? If you knew that, if you knew that, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my entire group today if I don't bring my A game, right? Because you don't know who the one out of five are. How would you coach that day? Would you give them a little bit more attention? Yes or no? Would you? hundred yeah. percent. Would you be a little more on your toes, a little more, a little more energetic, a little more happy, a little more positive, a little more, dude, we got this, man. Would you, yes or no? Oh my gosh. So when, when my, so when my niece is getting ready for her third show for the Rockettes, they're all getting fired up. Come on, man, we got this. We got this, right? <laughs> Michael Jordan is playing in front of somebody who has never seen him before. All right. If you knew USA Swimming was coming into video. And to put you on their website, hey, we're going to show Mike Murray, Victor, Victor Aquatic Club, um, the uh, as a Victor Swim Club, right? Vic, Victor, Victor Swim Club. We're going to show Mike Murray um, in his practice uh, today, whatever the date is. I'm not going to say because it'll, it'll date this uh, video. And uh, Mike, three, two, one, boom, you're on camera. Go. Tell me you wouldn't coach maybe a little bit different. Oh yeah, you yeah, know? absolutely. You've got, you know, Jack Roach decides to show up, you know, to watch you, watch you coach a practice right now. He's sitting in the bleachers, you know. And by the way, I got a funny story real quick. Side note, um, Eddie Reese came out to see our practice a couple, like a few times. And one of the times he came out, it was, I think Will Lycombe was still swimming with us. And um, he came out on a Saturday morning and he's, he's where they really, we said parents and coaches, I'm sorry, coaches and swimmers only, beyond this point. Well, I come out there on a Saturday morning, I see her, there's Eddie over there where the, where the coaches were supposed to be, no parents, right? And so one of my coaches comes in, Chuck, Chuck McClune, who coached me when I was 16 
he's one of my coaches here. He's we're coaches for Nitro. And so Chuck walks, I go, oh man, coach. I go, Chuck. I said, we got like, I think it's a grandfather, a parent. See that guy over there in the corner? Don't worry, don't worry. I'll get him, I'll get him. And he just beelines over to kick Eddie Reese off of our deck, right? And, I, and I'm nudging the other coach. I'm going, guys, watch this, watch this. Chuck's going to go try to kick Eddie off the deck. And he gets about three feet from him and he makes a U-turn <laughs> and realizes it's him and, and books off. And Eddie later found out about it. And Eddie said, Chuck, you should have done it. And I would have played along with you. And that's, and that's, that's classic Eddie. Because like then I would have been going, no, it's, it's Eddie Reese. Don't do that. You know, so that was that's a funny story. So. That's a great story, though, man. I'm glad you said that one's going to be a clip. Yeah, we always got the good. We always got stories. So. <laughs> Mike, those are that's a great story. And uh, I, like I said, we'll, we'll have Dan clip that one up. Um, one thing that I that I wanted to talk to you about is we were talking about workouts one day, and I can't remember if this was at an ASCA board meeting or if it was at a meet uh, where we were together. Um, but somebody was saying, like, you know, how can you make such a practice that's so challenging fun? And you said, you know, if it was a 15,000-yard set, you can better believe I'd make it fun. And you mentioned that at every workout, you try to get at least two or three pieces of feedback to every kid in the pool. Is that something that you're talking about to your staff on a, a weekly basis? Yeah, it's, that goes back to just individual attention. And that goes back to as, as much as even when that one boy will come in a little bit late or one little girl and you say, hey, I'm glad you're here. That counts to me. That counts as a touch, a touch. Hey, how'd that geometry thing go? How'd your project go in history? That's a touch because you've got to make sure you're making contact with the folks. Now, there's days that I'll have and again, it's funny, I, I, I call myself head coach, but I don't really have a group anymore. I'm more like a manager, I guess. I'm the great uncle, you know, I'm the, I'm the happy uncle that visits the, visits the groups. And like last night I covered uh, two of our beginner groups because one of our coaches were out of town. So, hey Mike, can you cover these groups? No problem, I've got them, you know, so I'll cover those groups. And um, I do that with, um, with, with excitement. You know, I can't wait to get in there. And if you ever showed up at Nitro and I didn't know you were coming, if you knew which location I was at, you'd probably walk, you'd walk in the pool deck. Where's Mike? You'd look either, I'd be in the lessons pool, either teaching kids or teaching the teachers, or I'd be at the shallowest end of our pool working with the developmentals. Usually the kids go on fourth or so in the lane, you know, trying to help them along. That's kind of just, that's where I tend to gravitate towards, right? But to, it was, it was uh, I think my exact quote to you was, I can make 10 500s exciting. That's exactly what you said. And, um, and it's funny, I mentioned that set again today when I did my four 500s to one of my coaches, he says, I stole that set from you. And we had 10-year-olds, 10, 10 11-year-olds, even B-level swimmers that we would have an hour and a half with them and we would go 10 500s, you know, about once every two or three months. Normally I would do it where we go, it's an hour and a half, so we go the first five or nine minutes. That's doable. Oh, yeah. Potty break. Come back. The last five or eight minutes. And number 10 is going to be off the blocks. Right? It's like, oh, that's crazy. That's old school. That's, you know, that's, you know, you're punishing. I it. see no, value. No. I see value. We're not punishing it, right? And if, if what you're looking for is, hey, guys, I'm looking for whoever can nail 19 of the best turns I've ever seen. 
I'm talking fast approaches, coming off tight as an arrow. And we're going to go past the third line, or if you have no lines in your bottom, put little weights down there, cones or something, and make a certain distance point. They got to get past and still hold their streamline. And maybe you might you might want to add, you know, your first breath is on the second touch. You know, once you do your breakout, touch, touch, then you can take your breath, whatever it is. You can set up your own parameters. And after every one, you're gonna, you're gonna mention the top three kids. Kids will clamor for that attention. You know what it says, you know, recognition. I think they say babies cry for it and grown men will die for it, you know, in, in service. You know, they die for the medal, the valor, the, the medal of honors, right? Babies cry for it, grown men will die for it. Recognition. And you start recognizing these kids and you get them excited about 10 500s. And they're really not that bad, honestly. But what I like to do is I would time it and do it about two weeks or so or a week before a meet where I've got most of my kids entered in a 500. So now before they go to their blocks for the meet, hey guys, huddle up real quick, huddle, come here. Remember two weeks ago? How many did we do? 10. How many is this? It's one. It changes, it completely changes the mindset of a 500, which most 10 or 11 year olds, they just will slug through it because they do 20 lengths, you get a counter, hey, I did it, but they're not really truly swimming a 500. They're doing it, they're finishing, but they're not swimming it, right? You do sets like that every two or three months. It doesn't have to be often, you know, even once a month, you could probably do it and pull it off. You can make sets like that exciting, but, but it really goes back to, um, there was an article, it was an Ask article on deliberate and purposeful practices. And I think that might even be the title of it. I think it might be de deliberate, deliberate practices or purposeful practices. And you got coach A and coach B and coach A says, all right, guys, let's do a thousand right now. Work on your turns, leave on top. Okay. Coach B says, hey, everybody, we have the opportunity for 39 of the absolute best turns that I've ever seen. In fact, I'd like each turn to be better than the one before. A better approach, a better setup, get those feet planted, get off that wall quickly. We're gonna, under, we're gonna do underwaters to such and such a point. Two touches, first breath, three touches, first breath, whatever, right? And oh, by the way, that's a thousand yards. Leave on top, let's see what you can do here. Now that just took maybe 20 more seconds. But does the group get more? Do you think the group could get more out of that 20 extra seconds of explanation? He wants every turn to be better than the one before it. I could put together 39 great turns. I love this one with our groups. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the guest coach. I show up. Hey, folks, how would you love it if Coach Allison said, hey, you know what, guys, today we're going to work on turns. We're going to work on turns today. Everybody goes, yay! And all the kids start jumping. You know, kids are jumping, right? Even, even older kids, you know, national level kids, they'd love to have a practice where all you do is work on turns. Okay, guess what? We're going to go eight sets of, or whatever, eight sets of five 100s right now, or three sets of whatever it is. And you count up how many turns in your head. Okay, that's, you got 21 turns there. You got 28 turns there. You got 20, whatever. You've got a chance right now for 76 turns in this next set. And it just reframes what you really want to work on. And, oh and you've got to find, you've got to, you've got to pick something that you want to focus on to make these kids better in front of you during that time. And it's, it, you know, our mission statement at Nitro, you know, most mission statements around the country are 
you know, here at such and such, we empower children to be the best they can be through the sport of swimming, blah, blah. You know, it's that you hear the same mission statement. A mission statement needs to be what you want to accomplish every day. That's your mission statement. What is it? Right. And I was never a really big mission vision guy, but I'm listening to the uh, Wharton School of Business on Sirius XM, and they got a great program called Moneyball. And it's sports and it's sports and business. And it, I highly recommend it. It's a couple of times a day. And um, so I'm driving, listening to Moneyball and someone's talking about mission statements. And they said, if you don't have one that A, it's easily recitable, you should be able to know it. And if it's not what you want to get accomplished every single day, then change it and write a new one. And so I went home and honest to goodness, it took me probably two minutes to put this one together. It's nine words and it's three sentences. I think you know this already. You know our mission yes. You know, visible improvement, period. Delivered with passion and joy, period. Every day. That's great. That's it. And so ask our coach. Next time you see a Nitro coach, hey, what's, your, what's your mission statement, Nitro? Hopefully they'll get it, right? Most of them know it because I'll ask them, hey, what's the mission? Visible improvement. Do you believe you made these kids better looking in the water? Do they look better now at the end than when you got them today? Yes. Did you deliver the practice with passion and joy? Yes or no? And I can tell, you know, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. You accomplished the mission for the day. And if you can string those along, do it for one practice. Then try to do it for two practices. You know, heck, start with a set as a coach. Just do it for one set. Just do it for one set then do it for two sets. The next thing you know, you have a nice string. And then what happens at the end of a season at a championship type meet, there really, really shouldn't be too many surprises. There really shouldn't be, you know, for young kids, for age groupers, because you're not going to rest, and, you know, that kind of stuff. That you, take that pressure off. But if they're doing what they should be doing, they're age groupers. They should be getting faster. No you doubt know? about it. You Mike, take, one... One thing that uh, I wanted to ask you to that end, and uh, and we'll do our quick fire questions after this. This has been an awesome episode. You know, here I'm going to stroke our ego for a minute. Here you and I are. We're on the ASCA board. We're ASCA level five coaches. We, we our programs have produced national teamers. I'm in the water every day for two hours with five, six, and seven year olds, and and I know you you do lessons too in the water. Why is it that we have a stigma that as we progress as coaches, we have to leave that part behind? Because for me, number one, it's, it's part of my daily fitness is that I get in the pool and I'm teaching lessons. And number two is I'm reminded every day of what I'm actually doing that provides a whole lot of lifelong value to these young athletes and not solely focused on who our next national team is going to be what is it that there's a stigma, right? That as a lot of coaches progress, they feel like they don't, they have to leave that part of their progression as a coach behind. Why has that remained so important to you? You know, I, I think I, I've never really thought about it until just now, honest to goodness, the way you framed, the way you framed it, what happens is yes, you know, we have our age group coach of the year award with the ASCA world clinic every single year. That's pretty much it. That's it. For an age group coach, you got one shot out of thousands and thousands of coaches. If you happen to get the votes, whatever, however it works, I can't even tell you with a formula how to become the age group coach of the year. I've never been it, right? Yeah. 
there's a recognition standpoint, it seems like, in that when you get those Olympians and you get the NCAA champions, it, it seems like, yep, it's because I coached them. I'm going to kind of burst a few bubbles out there and I hope I don't really offend, but I don't think it's, I don't think a, that much of it has to do with the coaching. I think a lot of it has to do, yes, you can, you can put that environment, you can get that culture, you know, the daily culture, what you're doing and doing the right things in practice, but you have to have the athletes that walk in those doors that have the basic genetic makeup and code of talent to take that program to the top, top level. That's right. We had, a, we had a really, really strong year, one year, 2015. Yes. Yes. We were blessed with Taylor Rabbit, Sean Grishop. Beast. I Chris, had him at a couple camps, man. He was a beast. Chris Yeager. You know, Tim, Tim O'Brien actually brought these guys in. It was because Tim was part of this program. These guys moved and they wanted to swim for Tim. I don't think it was just Tim O'Brien because these guys walked on our pool deck already at a level. You know, I don't know. I don't have nothing to take away from Ken Heiss at, at uh, Mason Manor Rays. He had the Foster Brothers. You know, did, did you create the Foster Brothers? Or were the Foster Brothers already created and you helped mold a couple, you know, a few things to really take to the next level? Um, you know, Shane Cassis is a, such a late bloomer came out of a, a program without really having a program. He was getting workouts from Tim from our program, emailed to him and sent to him, and he was trying to do it on his, on his own. He stayed with us up here for one summer, and he said it was the best summer he ever had training. Well, it's probably the first summer. It's probably the first summer I ever had training. I, I think maybe if Shane was any place, it would have been just as good, you know? So, you know, that's part of the answer to you why do I tend to gravitate towards the youngers is they still laugh at my jokes and they're horrible jokes. I mean, honestly, I say the same for me. I laugh. They're funny to me, right? They still respect you. They're scared of you when you, no, oh, that's not what I, you know, and they'll do what you want them to do. They're still squirrely, which I love. I love the, I, I, their, their eyes are so bright. A lot of those younger kids, they haven't been tainted yet. And they haven't been beat down yet by the real world. I love being around that. I love the purity of being around these young kids and coaching them and being in the water and helping them and seeing the parents going, who's the old guy in the water? Oh, that's Mike. He's the owner of Nitro. He's the owner. Why is he with my six-year-old right now? That's really cool. And also, Mike, it, 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 sends, it sends a great message to the rest of the staff wow, why is Mike down there in the water with these young kids? Why is he spending time in the lessons pool? Why is, you know, also I know what butters my bread, honestly, you know, it's, it's you got to get out of the feeder, right? That's, that's a lot of it. But I get such a high level of satisfaction when you can take a kid in, in a 45 minute developmental practice. And for the first time, they just got the side breathing down and that head stays in the water for the breathing. And then you praise the heck out of it. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, you're going to demonstrate right now. You want to demonstrate? You literally can change a person's life in one practice with what you have to say to them. 
These are the kids who are going last in the lane, never had a chance to, dem to demonstrate. They're not your, your front runners, but they're the ones that get some recognition. I love that. Why don't we have recognition for the coaches of the world that keep the retention of their team from one seed to the next, that those same kids all come back, that those kids were not even ranked at all in terms of a letter of a level. Now they just made 74% of the kids now are B swimmers and they were not even a C level, you know, well, below B until then, boom, now they're B. Holy mackerel. Do you realize you took 38% more of your kids and they're double B now in this next season you just did? That to me, those are coaches who are in the trenches working their buns off. How do you recognize those coaches? That'd be pretty cool. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And it's so important to keep that connection to the, the younger athletes in your program. And you, you mentioned something because we, we were talking about the business of the sport today is those lesson programs so integral to the long-term success of any program. Are you ready? The average, the, average, the average lesson price for a group lesson in the country is about 80 bucks or so for a month, about 20 bucks for half an hour for a group lesson. That's average across the country. Some places higher, some places lower. 20 is pretty much the sweet spot, right? 20 bucks for half an hour per swimmer. What's that per hour? That's 40 bucks, right? Per hour per swimmer. Now you have more overhead because you've got teachers now with smaller ratios, you've got deck folks, you've got software, you've got front desk people, you know, all that stuff works part of your part of your lessons program. But at that margin, if you ever put pen and paper to your highest level performing group in your in your program for the whole month, divide it up and see what they're paying per hour. The highest tuition that they're, pay, they're, they're paying more than anybody, right? Your highest level, they're paying more per month. But when you break it down per hour, I'm gonna guess it'll be around three bucks. Mm. Maybe 276, maybe 315. It's gonna be right around that area, I believe, is where it's probably gonna be, or even less than that. So now, can you make a living and give a staff or give yourself health insurance and a decent standard of living where you can actually go get a car once in a while and treat your family out to a dinner and make sure your son or daughter can get piano lessons. Can you do that if your whole pool is full of $2.76 an hour per, uh, per hour kids? You can't, you just can't. And so we can be criticized. Oh, they talk about business, 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 business. How many swim programs are out of business this year? No, nah, not pandemic, that's not fair. The year before, you know, 2019, how many are no longer around because they couldn't pay their bills? 2018, how many pools are closing? It's, it's, that's a pandemic you know, across the country. No pools, doubt about pools, it. Pools are closing. Pools are closing. So I don't apologize for running a, a, a business. If I don't run the business, there's no championship medals. There's no, there's no meets. There's no college scholarships for anybody. That's right. You know, you got to make sure you run your, run your business. So sorry, go ahead. Oh, I love it. That's such an important answer. And, and that's an episode that we should do a couple months down the road, because I think teaching people how to set up a long-term revenue stream with consistent lesson programs and the ability to expand is what's going to keep your program moving forward. I don't care how even, good even, your last even, swimmer was. Right. You know, even if you don't even have a lessons program, remember when I said, I pull this out of the road, my head's on my hands, you know, and I'm thinking, think, 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 how can you make a regular swim pool more like a lessons program without necessarily even having to do lessons. You don't, we could sustain ourselves with just a swim team because over half of our kids are those recreational developmental 
you know, that want to come once or twice a week. And some of those kids will become swimmers. Most won't. And that's okay. Find the coach who loves teaching. No doubt about it. All right, Mike, here we go. The quick fire questions. Are you ready? Are these the same questions every single time? Sometimes they're the same. Sometimes they're different. It depends. Oh, you're throwing some curveballs at me. I'll do as best I can. Go ahead. All right. First one, the Nitro coaching staff need their own closet for Nitro t-shirts. <laughs> they need their own closet? <laughs> you guys have every variation of t-shirt I've ever seen. This is, our colors aren't purple at all. This was a summer, but let me show you the back of this thing. Copyright infringement. Nice, nice. I got Kool-Aid man on the back, so. Yeah, you guys have every variation. Keep it fresh. Will it take a sub 21 second performance in Tokyo to win the gold medal in the men's 53? Oh, I have no idea. As long as it's Caleb Dressel or somebody else wearing stars and stripes, I'm happy. It's going to be unbelievable, man. There's so many people in the mix. It's it's going to be an uh, incredible race. Story about Caleb Dressel, uh, J Jason Kalanog, who coached him at Bowles. Uh, he's now at A&M. Yes. Uh, he, he told me a story that uh, Caleb Dressel could get a running start at Bowles. Well, kids don't do this at home, right? He'd get a running start on the pool deck. He could do a somersault in the air and hit the flags with his hand. I don't doubt it. I, I mean, athletic, I mean, it's unbelievable. All right. Does Ledecky break eight minutes in the women's 800 free? She's phenomenal. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what's your best right now? What's your lifetime best? Oh, three. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm going to say, I'd love to see it. Likelihood. I don't know. Um, Ledecky, I just used her as an example from an Olivier story. Sorry, I'm making your rapid fire questions, not so rapid fire, but I want to share this with coaches to share with their team. Um, Ledecky fails every single day in practice. She, according to Gemmel, uh, Bruce Gemmel said when she was at NCAP, before she went to Stanford, she would fail every day. She knew she had to go a certain speed in practice to be able to do what she wants to do in a swim meet. If there were 10 reps, she would start out, boom, until she falls off. And she, she would just, her tank is empty after six. She comes back the next day, want to try it again. Next day, want to try it again. Took her, she gets it. But she fails every day. And that's a lot of our kids and coaches too. We're afraid of failure. You know, we're afraid. He says, embrace it, man. Ledecky fails every single day. Love that. I think a lot of our athletes, parents are afraid of their kids' failure more than our kids are afraid of failing in practice. Good point. Good point. That, that's where we're trying to do a lot of education. So I appreciate you saying that and, and getting into that. It's, it's uh, Olivier's, one of his, uh, maybe two or three articles ago, his emails. It's all about Ledecky and Lochte for that very reason. We bought Conquer the Pool for our team and uh, Greg Perini bought it for the team at, at Denison. It's, it's a really important piece that Oliver did and uh, we, we love it. Yep. Mike, who's going to be the breakout star of these trials, do you think? Who's kind of a, a name that maybe not a lot of people have heard of that, that you're personally excited about? Uh, Shane. Shane Cassis. Shane, Shane Cassis is going to be put on the map. And, and, he, and, I, he, and, I, and I, hope, I hope he doesn't even watch this because I don't want the pressure on him. You know, I don't want the pressure. On him. That's why I'm really careful on how I answer these questions. I don't want the pressure on these, on these folks. You know, they get articles written about them and then the comments come out. And there's always the trolls, no matter what you say or do, there's always gonna be people taking shots at you. 
and these are just athletes and they're just such great people. But Shane Cassis, the last, the last cover of Swimming World said, I think it's like the greatest swimmer you've never heard of. You know, people don't know this guy. Yeah, Swim Swim had something up that said, and I, and I, I never write on Swim Swim anything. I had to, I was compelled to write on this one. How fast will Shane Cassis swim at trials? I just wrote as fast as he wants to. Yep. He's yeah, going to crush it. Yep. It's uh, funny. Mike, his, his, his mom um, emailed me about two other brothers that swam uh, down in his area from Mission, Texas, where he's from. And they wanted to come up and they, they're coming up for the summer to, to hang out with us for a summer to train. It, I just got the copy of Swimming World that day in the mail with Shane on the cover. And so I shot an email back. I said, hey, I said, I've got the Swimming World with Shane on the cover. Would you like, oh my gosh, I'd love that. And so I mailed it to her. So now she has her copy of Shane on the cover, her own son. She didn't have it. So. Mike, what are you most excited about American swimming moving forward? Well, it's tough coming out after, after the Phelps era, right? Michael, I mean, everyone knows Michael Phelps. Non-swimmers know Michael Phelps. The average non-swimmer out there, out there still doesn't know Caleb Dressel. Still doesn't know Katie Ledecky. Um, if you want to say what I'm most excited about, probably ISL. Probably the continuation of ISL. And as this uh, is reborn, it continues to move forward and gets, gets, it gets, re, re, um, I guess, retooled to go forward, what they're going to make with it. I think it's really cool what uh, Constantine has done with this. And um, I read a long article about him and I didn't realize he was up against what he was up against in oh, terms yeah. of the, the global powers trying to, you know, shut him down on certain things. And I think the ISL is super exciting. And if you've never seen an ISL meet and you're listening to this telecast uh, or broadcast, find a way to go see it live you've got to see it live the music and the lights and the spotlights and the relays and you know the team names are awesome you know energy standard you know i mean is that what LA, uh, current. LA, la current you know the cali condors you know dc trident you've got um, new york breakers uh, andrew's team um i just think I, to, I got goosebumps right now just talking about this it is it is so cool they've packaged swimming to, to the, for the, for the non-swimmer, I guess. Yeah. You mentioned Shane Cassis. I mean, how about Beryl Gastrodello? I mean, I did not know much about her other than she swam at Texas A&M was good, but I watched the ISL and I'm like, this woman might make an impact at the Olympic games. So that's been really fun to watch. Yeah. I can't, I can't recall the, uh, the Japanese foreign I am or Seto. Yes. Phenomenal. It was, it was a man against boys and the boys were world-class yep. and I saw Seto just are you kidding me and it's every stroke yeah every stroke and, and I watched it in Vegas I got a chance to watch the day one in Vegas <clears throat> in the pool they had it was glass they had the glass wall so you could actually when they dive in you're watching and you're watching underwater right in front of them you got above and below the water it was a phenomenal product they've got this thing down love the ISL love yeah it. And then, uh, Mike, I would want to finish up with, do you know what episode of Coach's Corner has been the longest? I talk too much. Got to get this one. Sorry, folks. I talk a lot. No, man, this was awesome. And I'm glad we finally got a chance to do it. And I, I'm glad it was not during an ASCO board meeting. We, we, have, we have a lot of exciting things that come with ASCO. I know that there are so many passionate folks. It's great to have so many great coaches on there. And uh, we really appreciate your leadership. So, 
Thank you for being well, on today. I want to add one thing then. If if yeah. anybody if anybody is interested in serving on the board of ASCA, all you've got to be is a member of ASCA and talk to a few people at the World Clinic. The clinic this this uh, this September is going to be in Orlando. You don't need to be there for all seven days or eight days of it. I would say pick if you're going to break away from your program. I know it's tough to do that sometimes, but like just go there for like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, pick those three days or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, pick the days where you can find what you want to see. And the coolest thing about this is the old justice aquatic center is now called the Rosen center. I might be called Rosen aquatic center. I don't know if it is or not. The guy that owns the big hotel that we are going to be at the Rosen also owns the justice aquatic center. And so we're going to have in water presentations and, and athletes, and you're going to walk away from this thing. You're going to, if you're not there, you're going to go, oh my gosh, I wish I would have been there in person live. We're also going like, to- It's a great, great opportunity for coaches to take their families to Florida in the fall. Yep. Orlando. Yep. So it's a great place, you know, within minutes of everything. And, uh, but it's, it's, I think this will be the best world clinic ever. And I'm not saying it's just from hyperbole. Um, it really will be. I love having that in water component that you're going to have. I'm assuming you're going to have Dressel there. I'm, ho I'm hoping, you know, Caleb and Greg Troy and, you know, be able to watch these folks and what are they doing and, and what is it that's, you're going to walk away with a, with a brand new toolbox of what you can take to your pool deck that night when you get back on there. So I, I, can't I, I appreciate what you do, man. I appreciate you. Well, thanks so much, Mike. We appreciate you. And uh, this episode will be available either later tonight or early tomorrow morning. We'll have it off across all of our social platforms, as well as on the Fitter and Faster website. Mike, we appreciate your time. Best of luck to you guys this summer. And I'm looking forward to catching up soon, buddy. See you soon. All right, Mike. Thanks a lot. Thank you.